Hi, this is Pastor Sam Murphy from Christ Centered Church, and you are listening to Christ Centered Cast. 2 Timothy 1 tonight. 2 Timothy 1. We were in 2 Timothy a few weeks ago toward the end of the letter to Timothy. Tonight will be at the beginning of the second letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 through 12. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 12. Paul writes to Timothy beginning in verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Let's pray. Father God, tonight as we dedicate this time of preaching your word, Lord, I ask that you would just be with your word, that you would empower it, that you would give us a boldness in hearing it, help us to apply it, and to take it with us as we leave tonight, as we leave the service. Lord, we thank you for calling each one of us who know your son, Jesus Christ, as their Savior. And Lord, I ask that we would seek to reach others with the good news that we have in you. And it's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray tonight. Amen. So again, by way of our last review of our mission as Christ-centered church, and really Christ-centered community ministries as a whole, our mission is to build a Christ-centered community by preaching, teaching, and reaching our community through Christ-centered ministries. Again, our mission is to build a Christ-centered community by preaching, teaching, and reaching our community through Christ-centered ministries. Now, a few weeks ago, we looked at preaching, the preaching component of our mission. Last week, we looked at the teaching component of our mission. And tonight, of course, we will look at the third and final reaching part of our mission as a ministry. And we know it's nearly impossible to do the first two things if we're not actually practicing the third, reaching. To build an authentic Christ in our community, we must be connecting with people in order to preach to them and to teach them and help them grow in the Lord, as we talked about last week with the Great Commission. We must be connecting with people if we're going to build a Christ-centered community, an authentic community. And Paul knew this. He knew that you had to reach people in order to preach them and teach them. And that's what he's communicating to, to Timothy here. He knew this, and this is why he encouraged Timothy to use his gifts in order to reach others. And as I mentioned at the outset, this is we're back here again in 2 Timothy. And in 2 Timothy, as we shared a few weeks ago, Paul was going to die soon. He knew his life was coming to an end, and he was going to die in prison, and he wanted to make sure that Timothy knew what the most important things in life were. 
and in ministry. He wanted Timothy to be reaching others. And he shared with Timothy some decisions that he would need to make as a pastor and a leader, and most importantly, as a believer, if he was going to reach other people for Jesus Christ. And tonight, we're going to look at those two decisions that Paul shared with Timothy so that he could expand his reach in the lives of the people that he uh, was in contact with, two decisions that Timothy would have to make if he were going to reach out to others in order to then share the good news of Jesus Christ with them and help them grow in their relationship with him. So the first thing that we see tonight, the first decision that we have to make as believers, is we have to make a decision to have no fear. We have to make a decision to have no fear. We have to decide that we won't be afraid when it comes to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. Paul talks about that here in his letter to Timothy. He says, for this reason, he's talking about the verses prior to verse 6, where he thanks God and recalls, uh, in memory of Timothy, his, his upbringing and the fact that his grandmother and mother poured into his life and helped him come to know Christ and taught him, and that as a result, he had the gift of God, essentially. He had uh, the Holy Spirit living within him, and he had a sincere faith. And he says, I'm reminded of that sincere faith and that gift that you have in you. And for this reason, as we see in the beginning of verse 6, he says, I remind you, Timothy, to fan that gift into flame, to essentially stoke that fire, to recognize that you have the Holy Spirit living within you, and that is a gift of God, and that that works its way out in various ways. And for him, he encourages him later to do the work of an evangelist. So we see that evangelism was probably most likely one of his particular gifts, or maybe it was an area that he needed to be strengthened. But the Holy Spirit gives us all gifts to use to reach other people in order to then help them understand the good news and grow in their faith. So he says, I want to remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in through the laying on of my hands. Paul says, you know, there's a time I was with you, Timothy, and I recognized God's calling on your life. And as such, I laid hands on you, and that is recognized that the Lord wants to work through you, Timothy. And he sends him out to uh, the church at Ephesus to pastor there and leaves him there, essentially, to move on with his missionary journey. And he says, I recognize God's calling and gifting in your life, so I'm essentially giving my blessing through the Holy Spirit for you to be able to continue to do the work there at Ephesus. And he says, that was through the laying on of hands, and that God gave us, he reminds him, he says, be courageous, fan into flame the gift that God has given you in the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit that God gave us is first not of fear, but is, in fact, of power and love and self-control. So when Timothy had to make that decision not to be afraid, we see a few things working there. It's the same decision we too have to make. Paul tells Timothy essentially that he must reject a spirit of fear because that's not part of what the Holy Spirit has given us when the Holy Spirit came to live within us. See, fear is a byproduct of the flesh. We are constantly at war, the flesh and the Holy Spirit of God within us. And we see that there is fruit that is produced in the life. And we see that None of the fruit of the Spirit are fear, right? We've got love and self-control. We've got meekness, kindness, gentleness. All of those are fruit of the Spirit. Fear is not one of them. Fear and um, ungodly anger, and there are several other that are mentioned in Galatians 5 and the other part of Galatians 5 that are mentioned as essentially, they don't call them fruit, but essentially that's what they are. They're, they're fruit of the flesh. And we see the fear is, is in there. And so Paul is calling him to realize that that's not, the spirit that we're called to, that we have within us. We have the Holy Spirit of God. And so we reject fear. Does that mean that it's something that we won't ever have if we're a believer? Absolutely not. 
Fear is something normally that happens to us when we begin to have anxiety or concerns or things like that. But fear comes to full form when we don't master it, when we don't give it to the Lord, when we don't turn it over to him. We're told to allow Christ to take those kinds of thoughts captive. We give them to him, sinful thoughts. And, and fear and letting fear control our lives is one of them. So he says we reject the spirit of fear. God doesn't give us the spirit and the Holy Spirit that is fear, so we shouldn't be embracing our fear. We shouldn't let it dominate our lives. So if we don't have the spirit of fear, what do we have instead? What do we lean on? Paul tells Timothy, he continues on, as he says, God gave us not a spirit of fear, but he did give us a spirit of power, of love, and self-control. So we reject allowing fear to rule our lives and determine our relationships and how we function in our relationships. But instead, what we do let motivate us and empower us is a spirit of power. God gives us the power to do what he's called us to do. And we saw over the last, well, the two messages prior, preaching and teaching, that God clearly wants us to do those things. He's given us that commission in the Great Commission, as well as we saw in Paul's admonition to Timothy at the end of 2 Timothy, where he tells him to preach the word. That's our call as well. So God has laid this call on our lives as Christians to, to go, and in our going, to baptize and to teach and to preach the good news. So we have that calling, and God gives us the power to be able to do that. The question simply is whether or not we will tap into that power that resides within us. If we will embrace that power through the Holy Spirit to be able to, with a boldness, tell others of the good news and the difference that Jesus Christ makes in our lives. So Paul tells Timothy, you, you don't have a spirit of fear, but instead you have a spirit of power through the Holy Spirit. It's also a spirit of love. So we embrace the spirit of love. And love is what motivates us to share the good news, to share the gospel with others, to preach, to teach, to baptize, uh, to bring others along. It's that love that motivates us to do that. We see that God loves other people through us, with his love. So that's really what we are, because there are definitely times when we do not feel like lo being loving, right? As human beings, there are times when we're struggling, and that feeling of, of loving others does not come naturally. But we have to remember that we're merely intended to be conduits of God's love, and that we allow God's love to work through us to other people, so that it happens supernaturally. So those times when we are struggling, we don't feel like we can love other people in our own strength. The Holy Spirit of God is the power that works through us as the conduit to love other people with his love. And we find that it's only that supernatural love sometimes that God does through us that helps us to love people that are particularly unlovable. And yet he calls us to do that. And he tells Timothy, that's, that's part of your mission. Part of reaching other people is being a conduit of God's love to them. So we have a spirit of power in the Holy Spirit. We're a conduit of love to other people. And that, that's the Holy Spirit working through us. And then we're also, we embrace the spirit of self-control. So we reject the spirit of fear. We embrace power. We embrace love. And we embrace self-control. This is God working in us to produce wise thinking through his Holy Spirit, through his word, so that we can see the world the way he does. That is, it's a, a godly worldview. It's seeing, it's seeing through God's eyes which also impacts how we look at and treat other people, right? Because that is how he wants us to see others. We have to ask, okay, God, how do you see this situation? How do you see 
these people? How do you see our relationships? Lord, how do you see us? Because, man, sometimes in our own lives, some of the, the worst thinking about other people are the thoughts that we have about ourselves. We forget how God looks at us and what he sees when he sees us and how much he loves us and how much value he sees that we have because we know him and he created us. And a self-controlled mind is such that we are able to make the attempt to look at us and ourselves and other people in the world through God's eyes. And he calls Timothy to do that as well. He says, you have to realize you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. You don't have to be dominated and controlled by fear. You can lean on the Holy Spirit of God and call on the Holy Spirit of God for strength, for power, for love, and for self-control that is supernatural. And if we're going to reach other people with the gospel of Christ, we have to do that. We have to make the choice, the decision to be believers who are defined by that lack of fear, that courageousness that, that comes from that power and love and self-control. So it's not that fear isn't ever an issue in our lives. It's what we do with that fear and whether we yield it to God. And as I was reading uh, this week, I, I ran across an, an old, uh, for whatever reason, Facebook post that I shared uh, like nine years ago, I think. And it was a, a quote from Mark Twain when he said, courage is resistance to fear, mastery over fear, not the absence of fear. It's that recognition that fear exists but it's whether or not we bring it under the control of the Holy Spirit and under the control of God, because we're called to do that. Additionally, one of my other favorite quotes is actually by a gentleman whose first name is my middle name. His name is Ambrose Redmoon. And he said, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. And really, that's the essence of the gospel. It's recognizing that there is something more important in our lives than our own fear that we sometimes allow to control our lives. The gospel, other people coming to Jesus Christ, other people getting saved, other people spending an eternity with God, is more important than our own fears that we allow uh, to dictate our decisions every day. And we have to make the choice to realize that we don't have to get in, give in to that fear because we have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. And He motivates us. He empowers and strengthens us. And He gives us that, that love and that power and self-control to be able to share the gospel with others, to reach others for him. And first, I want to begin by encouraging you tonight that that's the first decision that we have to make if we're going to reach other people in our lives. We have to make the decision not to let fear control us, not to call the shots. So we decide that we won't be afraid. Is that a struggle for you? As you think about your day-to-day -day life, as you think about the decisions that you make, you think about the conversations you have, you think about your presence in public and the community, you think about your interactions with others, the things that you say, the things that you do. What characterizes your life? Is it a life that is dominated by your fear, your anxiety, your wondering what other people are thinking about you or feeling about you or whether anybody's noticing what you're doing? Or do you live with a courage that says, the Lord is most important to me. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, I will be his messenger. And I will say and do what he wants me to do, what he's called me to do. I want to encourage you tonight to first, the very first thing here, 
is to make the decision not to be afraid. As Paul continues on, he says that there's another thing, another decision that as believers we have to make. So we make the decision not to be afraid, to have no fear. And then that leads us to the second decision that has to be made. And we see that beginning in verse 8 where he says, therefore. So he tells him, we saw, just saw, he says, you know, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave us one of power and love and self-control, therefore. So therefore, looking back to that, then there's another, another decision that we must make in verse 8. We have to decide that we won't be ashamed. We won't be ashamed. No shame. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and, and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So he says, because I am not afraid, and because you are called not to be afraid, as a result, then, don't be ashamed either. And he says, don't be ashamed of three things. And these three things relate to identity. Because that's essentially what shame is, when you think about it. If you are ashamed of someone or something, what do you typically do? What is your response? You distance yourself from it or them. You seek to create as much space as you can from that person or thing or whatever it is because you are ashamed of it. And even if you're not physically doing that, you might be doing that emotionally or psychologically. You don't own it. You don't embrace it because you are ashamed of it. And unfortunately, today, it is challenging, challenging at best sometimes, to really own and embrace in our public culture our Christian faith. Because it seems like there are more and more antagonistic and, and hostile elements out there that would seek to disparage or make it irrelevant. And so it can be very... And the thing about it is it's not only people who don't know and love the Lord. There are people who claim to know and love the Lord that are doing and saying things that make God-honoring, God God-fearing Christians want to go, ooh, I don't want to identify with them. Even though they claim to know Christ, the things that they're doing and saying are not godly. And so we have to realize that there is an identity aspect to being ashamed. And Paul calls Timothy to look at three things to call him to not be ashamed of. And the first is he tells him to make the choice to first and foremost identify with the Lord. Identify his relationship with the Lord. And the first part of verse 8, he says, Therefore do not be ashamed because of the Holy Spirit within you, that does not, you don't have a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and self-control. He says, Therefore first do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. So he says, embrace, own, identify with the testimony of Jesus Christ. The fact that he was sent by God in the flesh to be born a baby, to grow and be a perfect man and die for our sin on the cross. He says, don't be ashamed to identify with that. There will be people that will say that that is irrelevant, not necessary. There are many ways to God. That's a fairy tale. There will be people that will disparage that message, that disparage the Lord that will take the Lord's name in vain. And we have a call as Christians to say, hey, Jesus is, is more important than that. He matters. This is why he matters. This is what we did. This is what he did for us. We show others that we aren't ashamed through our verbal and living testimony, even if that means suffering for it. Now, does that mean we as believers go out of our way to be antagonistic to others? Absolutely not. The gospel is divisive enough without us giving it any help. 
but there is a call for us to live out our faith in such a way that we don't shy away from it, that we are not ashamed of it, and that we don't hide from it and from other people. Paul tells Timothy, therefore, because of that spirit, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. But then there's something else that he tells him to identify with. And it's, it's somewhat subtle there and easy to miss, and you can pass over it if you're not really digging in and thinking about it. He tells him to also identify with God's people, in this case specifically himself. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Now, this is interesting because as we look back on Paul and who Paul is, and we see the, the broad scope of Paul's life and what he accomplished and how he lived for God, we look at that and we go, well, essentially, Paul is a hero of the faith, right? Well, back then, to the rest of the world, while he was in prison, he was a prisoner. He was essentially a criminal, an enemy of the state. Now, I ask you this, if we take that and we bring it into our modern context, how many people would we say that we look at in our modern prison system that we go, yeah, that's the hero we need to follow? Now, that's not to say that the prison is completely full of, of people. I believe there's both innocent and guilty people in prison. Absolutely. It's going to happen. But from a societal context, from how we look at that, we would see that as a person who has broken the law in some way. So for us to see this here and to realize that he is calling him to identify with other people, he's calling us to identify with who at that point was a prisoner. So that really, I mean, that should kind of rock our worlds a little bit mentally. But what we have here is he's, it says that today we should find it much easier even to identify with other Christians and other believers, and it should come much easier for us than it would have back then even. Because back then, if you were a believer, Paul is saying, identify with me, don't forget me, pray for me, you know, remember why I'm in here and what I'm doing. And today now, we, it's because it's become harder and harder, as I've mentioned, in some cases, as we hear Christians just doing crazy things, we go, ah, and yet I know that I'm called to identify with them as a believer, even if I don't identify with everything that they do. And so we can't distance ourselves and use an excuse and say, well, I just can't, I can't identify with them as believers, and we can't go hide in a hole just because they're doing ridiculous stuff. We've got to acknowledge the fact that if they truly know Christ and have a relationship with him, that we identify with that because they are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Even if it's hard sometimes. We show others that we're not ashamed of other believers, of Christians, through cultivating relationships with his people, even if that means suffering for it. Even if that means suffering for it. When you think about it, that gives us the opportunity to both speak into their lives and say, hey man. Hey, lady, what are you doing? Where do you get that in Scripture? How, is, how are you supporting what you're doing from the, from the Scriptures, from the text? You say, ah, I'm not sure that that's what God meant when he said that there. And I'm not sure that's an appropriate justification for the things that you're saying and doing. And so there's an opportunity to biblically confront other believers when they're doing those things, rather than just pretending they don't exist, shying away from them, being ashamed of them, and moving on down the road. We make the choice to identify with God's people. So we identify with the Lord, we identify with his people, and then the last choice that he calls them to make is to make a choice to identify with his message, to show others that we're not ashamed by sharing God's truth, even if that means suffering for it. 
So we see there, he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, and then, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So not just Jesus, but his message. Why he came to die. And why he rose again. And how that is the most significant decision that we can make in all of our lives. And that that is a true, authentic message, which is both historically accurate and spiritually accurate, and is in fact relevant for all time. It can't just be dismissed. And we have a call to share that message. Even when people are telling us it's fake and it's, it doesn't matter and it's just not important and there's other ways that you can go about getting to God, Jesus said he's the only way. That's Jesus' message. I'm the only way. And as such, that is the message that we share. And we're not to be ashamed of that. We're to show others we're not ashamed by sharing that truth, even if it means other people don't like it. Paul calls Timothy because of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit within him not to be afraid and not to be ashamed. As you think about your life and you think about, again, day to day, your relationships, the places that you go, the, uh, the people that you interact with, are you quick to shy away from sharing the message of the gospel? Are you quick to shy away from sharing Jesus Christ and what he means to you? Are you quick to shy away from other believers because they may or may not be doing things that are God-honoring? Paul says to Timothy, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Use the power of the Holy Spirit, that power, that love, and that self-control to impact both other believers and the culture around you in order to reach people for Jesus Christ. He says that is how you reach people. We make the decision not to be afraid. We make the decision not to be ashamed. And that's what we take away from this text. We look at these verses. And you know, when it comes to reaching people, in general, many times the biggest obstacle is often ourselves. It's our own fears, our own anxiety, our own inadequacy, our own shame. And we let that fear and shame make us retreat from the opportunities that God gives us. The opportunities that he wants us to use to reach other people with the gospel. So here tonight is how we can apply what we've looked at from the text. I want to begin tonight by going bow your head and close your eyes. Search your heart. And ask yourself first, is fear or shame keeping you from reaching others with the gospel? Is fear or shame keeping you from reaching others with the gospel? Is there something, anxiety, or some concern that keeps you from talking to others about Jesus Christ? Are you dealing with some kind of shame? Whether it's some kind of a relationship with another believer, whether it's your own relationship with God, that needs to be remedied? Are fear or shame keeping you from sharing your faith with others? Now, if you answered yes to either of those, or even both, in your heart right now, make a commitment to trust God tonight, to allow His Holy Spirit to work in you, to 
rekindle that flame that you have living within you, that spirit of power and love and self-control. Make that commitment. And then I want to encourage you to follow it up in two ways. If you've made that commitment tonight, take the time to simply memorize 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. The first two verses we looked at. It's only two verses. And if you take the time to commit those at least to a passing memory, the Holy Spirit can then use those in your life when you need them. Commit 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7 to memory so that you can recall them in times when you're struggling with fear or shame. The other thing you can do when you, after you've made this commitment to God is to ask another believer that you trust to pray with you and to pray for you in making the decision to not allow fear and shame to control your life. Ask another believer to pray with you and to pray for you so that you can have victory in fear and shame in your life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this reminder from your word about the importance of reaching other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray that as a church community and a church family that we would say no to fear and that we would say no to shame and that we would embrace the Holy Spirit's power in our lives, that we would be a conduit of you, that we would allow you to flow through us and be used by you to love other people into relationships with your son, Jesus Christ. God, help us to do that. God, help us to fulfill the commission that you've given us and the mission that we have as this church to preach, teach, and reach others with the gospel. And Lord, I thank you for calling us and for using us and for giving us eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray tonight. Amen. God bless as you go forth to preach, teach, and reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Christ Centered Cast. Please join us again next week. God bless.